our theme this morning is partnerships. And if you think back, there's been many, many famous partnerships, duos, if you like. And I'm going to test you on a few of them. So if I say the first part, you come in with the second. So if I said Batman and... Great, what a brilliant start. (laughs) If I said Laurel and... Shows the generations a little bit. (laughs) Abbott and... Let's go to music. Lennon and... Oh, well done. So far, so good. What what about... uh, Politics, hawk and dumb and not that there's not not that there's any relationship between the two. You know, of all the partnerships, the one that one of the ones that stands out for me was in uh, the film, the the trilogy, Lord of the Rings, where Frodo Baggins is given the task of destroying. The ring in the land, the evil ring in the land of Mordor. And Galdof gives him the task of doing that and says, you've got to go with a bunch of other people. So you get the fellowship of the ring. And he goes with this um, other group, including his best friend Samwise. But as they are completing the task, Frodo feels in a noble kind of way he can't put his friends at such risk. So partway through the journey, he slips down to a river to leave them behind, gets in a boat, ready to launch out on his own and be the hero. I want you to see what happens next because I think this tells you a lot about the nature of partnerships. Mr. Frodo, a promise. Don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee. And I don't mean to. I don't mean to. Oh, Sam. 
It's the power. The power of partnerships. You know, last week, uh, Cullen talked about community. And he brought out some really interesting things about community, that in true community there is honesty and, and there's faith and there's trust and things like that. But a partnership is a slightly different thing. And Cullen intimated at this. You see, you can have a community for the sake of community. And in this church, we seek to be the best community that we can be. We want everybody to feel welcome in our community. But partnership is community with a cause. It is community plus purpose. A partnership is a community. It certainly is about friendships, but it is not a community that exists for the sake of itself. Partnership is community with a cause. Do you know, 25 years ago, in the role that I was fulfilling for the Uniting Church Synod in youth ministry, we, I was responsible for a youth convention that was held in Adelaide, a week-long youth convention, called we called it NCYC. I wouldn't be surprised if someone here had been at that. Um, it was a week long and there was something like 2,000 registrations. Of those 2,000 people, we had 160 volunteers. We, we held it at the Adelaide uh, Convention Centre for most of the week, but in the middle day, we decided to go to a place called Scotch College. Heard of the place? <laughs> and we decided we'd have a concert day. And we, held, we had three stages set up around the grounds of Scotch College. And we invited not only the registrants but others to join us. There was something we estimate close to 4,000 people who came to that event here at Scotch College. The stages, the, the singers included people, I don't know if people know Steve Aparana or Steve Grace, guy called that's come to um, more fame since called Colin Buchanan and a whole heap of others, a group called the Beatles who became a famous cover. The, the, the three stages going, a lot of them at the same time. The noise was so great that uh, I got a call from the police <laughs> because they had been called from a lady uh, to, to say that her windows were rattling and she lived in Victoria Street near the city. So it was quite an incredible event. And there were many great memories from that event. But do you know my longest memory and my fondest memory is that three years before we had that event, there were about six of us who joined in a team. And we said, is it possible to do this? And we did it. And my favourite memory wasn't during the event, it was after when we all retired to a coffee shop, sat around, had a drink, talked about the stories, the things that worked, the things that didn't work. But I'll tell you, no matter if they worked or not, we were partners. We were partners and we were, we were a community. We became good friends and we became partners in that process. We were a community, but we had a clear purpose of the 160 volunteers. We gave them a little card with the uh, vision of what we're trying to do, create a community that so reflects the kingdom of God that people will be changed. It's interesting, 25 years later, I can remember it. But that is partnership. 
I want to say today, there is nothing that beats it. There is nothing that beats being with a bunch of people who care for one another, who are partners in the same vision and the same mission. Now, Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, he understood this. He really understood it. He writes, by the way, in Philippians, which was read from us, just a short letter, four chapters long. And it's the most personal letter that he ever writes. And in it, he talks about his relationship with Timothy and Epaphroditus. He talks about how he was... um, uh, He was... uh, a religious person, deep, it's one of the few times he talks about his past, I was a religious person. And then he says, I met Jesus (laughs) and came into a personal relationship with him and all my religion was a waste of time compared to my love of Jesus Christ. It's in Philippians that he talks about how um, he wanted to know Christ. For him to, to live, he said, was Christ. To die was gain. He talks about his uh, relationships and friendships with brothers and sisters in Christ. And he, but, but above all, as Rand, Rand intimated, he writes this letter, a deeply personal letter, to a small church plant that had really only just began. They were meeting in a classroom. No, they weren't. Why did he write this letter? So personal, so deep. Let's look at it. The first line, and this is, you'll find this as well as on the, on the screen uh, on your card. You'll find those verses at the top. I want to look at Philippians 2, 3 to 5. And look at the first verse. He says, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Do you think about that for a moment? I read that and I thought, how would I like to be remembered? Sometimes we ask that question about when we die. After we die, how would we like to be remembered? What wonderful things might people say at our funerals when we're dead and we can't hear them? But it's not only how would we like to be remembered, how we're remembered now. When, when people have you at the top of their minds, how do they remember you? What do they think? Paul says this. He says, I thank my God every single time I remember you. Isn't that an amazing thing? Don't you think that's incredible? Every time I think of you, I just feel such gratitude. You know, I read that and I thought, wouldn't it be great? If in this church, we had a culture of appreciation and gratitude. Where we cared for each other. And when we brought each other to mind, we said, oh God, thanks for that person. Wouldn't it be great to have a culture of appreciation, a culture of gratitude, a culture of thankfulness. You know, 60 scientists were surveyed on the question of gratitude and thankfulness. 
And this is collectively what the researchers came out with from 60 scientists and neuroscientists. They said gratitude is a key ingredient to a happy life. People who make a daily and or frequent practice of being thankful were healthier, less stressed, more optimistic and more likely to help others. How about that? I've got a feeling that many of us spend more time complaining than we do feeling grateful. Wouldn't it be wonderful? But, but why? So Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. But why? Why does he do that? Let's look at the second verse in that triplet. He says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. There are three alls in it. Did you get that? All of my prayers, all of you, not the select few, not the elite, not the smartest or the best, all of you. And he says, I always pray with joy. It's an interesting thing. Joy. Do you know in the Bible, there are some words we have in English that may have two or three different words, like love, agape, and so on, and so on. Do you know in the Bible there are 14 different words for joy? The reason why there's 14 different words for joy was they didn't have just a, a, a culture of appreciation. In the Hebrew world, they had a culture of joy. They were known in their celebrations amongst other religions and cultures, primarily for their sense of joy. The early church was overwhelmed with joy. That's why people joined them. In fact, the, we, they invented a word in the early church called, you may have heard it, it comes from two words, theos and en, or en theos, the word enthusiasm was actually invented because the early church was just so thoroughly joyful. Wouldn't it be great if we, as a culture, exuded a sense of joy? Now, please understand, when we talk about joy, biblically, we're not talking about just a bit of happiness. I'll be happy when I win the lottery. I'll be happy when I get a promotion. Uh, happiness, is, ha joy is not happiness. Happiness happens occasionally. Happens, happiness is haphazard. But joy is more than that. And they, in the Hebrew word, in the biblical world, said, we are always joyful. We can suffer and we still have this subterranean stream of joy that's part of our life. Joy is not just this little bit here and a little bit there. The joy that Jesus knew, he knew when he suffered. He knew when he was vilified. He knew when he was knowing that he was going to die. There's a sense of joy 
that is deep and profound, that never leaves us in all the vicissitudes of life, grief, pain, suffering, there is still an underlying sense of joy in the deepest and real sense. And we can have that in Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what else it's not. It's not looking strangely happy all the time. There's a kind of a Christian version of you smile no matter what and you walk around with a kind of an artificial smile. When, when I think of that, I always think of a little episode in Alice in Wonderland where Alice meets the Cheshire Cat. And if you've ever read that and you know it, as she's talking to the cat, the cat, the body of the cat disappears. What began as a cat with a smile, the body of the cat disappears and the only thing that is left is a smile. And Alice says this, I've seen a cat without a smile, but I've never seen a smile without a cat. In other words, a smile without substance, a smile without body. We're not, we don't ask in this church people just to look happy all the time. There's a time to be in pain and lament and grieve and hurt and feel doubts and feel confusions and wonder. Does that make sense this morning? These things, we want to be a real community. But under it all, there is a profound sense of joy. So, so he writes, all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. When we, it was just six of us 18 months ago, there was first of all six of us, and then we sort of went to about 20, and, and then we've grown since. But when we started, there was this phrase that kept going around, and we've never encapsulated it or, or um, ratified it or whatever, but it was it, something like, I think Ray might have started praying it, we pray that this would be an adventure of joy. And that is stuck with us. We want this to be an adventure of joy. So he writes, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Why? Why? Why does, does, does he thank God all the time? Why does he pray with a sense of joy about this early Christian community and the third verse tells us because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now now that word partnership in greek is a koinonia and it appears many times in the new testament and it was how the early church was described sometimes in the church we've used the word fellowship but it is community with a purpose we have a purpose in this church we have a purpose we're not a community that simply meets for the sake of being a community we're a community with a purpose. Philemon uh, chapter, we haven't got this, but chapter 1 verse 6. Paul writes to Philemon, Pray that your partnership, your koinonia with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. 
We have a community here because we want every single person, no matter where they've come from, to grow closer to God. That is our desire. Over this next few weeks, we're going to be talking a lot about partnership. And we're producing a booklet that if you're interested, you will receive. And in that booklet, we say this. Mitcham Hills Church seeks, there's a very first page, Mitcham Hills Church seeks to be a generous, relaxed and inspiring church community where all people are called into an adventure of joy and into a relationship with God. We are all called to journey together. In our relationship with God, no matter how young or old. And it's kind of funny, you know, because I talk a lot about leadership and lecturing and stuff. And one of the things I say is that every organisation needs to know who it is, where it's going, and how it's going to get there. So far, I think we've got number one. We know who we are. We declare Jesus as Lord. We engage with Bible for life change. We focus beyond ourselves, build relationships that matter and empower people to lead. That's who we are. But we're asking you to join us, not exactly knowing where we're going. We don't know whether this thing's going to end up, where it's going to be. We don't even know how we're going to get there because we don't actually know exactly where there is. But what we are asking is this. We are asking you to join us in this journey, in this adventure. And we're going to, again, as I say, over the next few weeks, invite you to partner with us. The key word for us is partnership. We invite you to partner with our values, our beliefs, our vision, our structure, and our leadership to be a part of a community and to partner with us. Now, let me say a couple of quick things. Everybody, partner or not, is welcome in this church. We want this to be a real, authentic community. Whether you partner with us or not. On the other hand, we do need partners. We need people to count on daily, to keep us accountable, to be accountable, to join us in this adventure. We need people that we can count on. On November the 11th and 13th, we're going to hold two in partnering information nights on a Monday and a Wednesday uh, at our place on the Monday and Rob and Robin's on the Wednesday. And we're going to ask you to choose to attend one of those. Now, you might say, sure, you know, we've got church, we've got this, we've got we've decided not to have church either end of those two weekends. We're not going to book in. We're not going to be worshipping here as church on the Sunday the 10th, but as you'll know from your notices, we're going to have a social picnic, a great picnic, 
at uh, Carrick Hill. But you get to choose. We invite you to choose. If you're a couple with kids, then maybe one can go on the Monday, one the Wednesday or however. And we'll be having dessert and you'll be hearing about what this, more specifically, what this partnership deal is actually about. So could you put that in your diaries? Um, we've got at the back table, we've got a sign-up. Uh, so we'd ask you, if you regularly attend here, to head towards the middle table where all the food is. You might have to push through. The, yeah, anyway, and, and put your name down, sign up for one of those two nights. We really strongly encourage you to do that. But in all of this, and there's no pressure whatsoever, we are just looking for people to be part of our team, partners with us in the most magnificent journey, the most wonderful adventure that we can imagine. Is that okay? So it's not just Batman and Robin. It's not just Jekyll and Hyde or whatever. It's not just Dumb and Dumber. It's people like us in community, with a purpose of growing closer to God.